Welcome to episode 15 of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani. We got a full crew tonight, joined by all four feathers. We got Tony Marchese, Ron Luce, and Tyler Jones. How are you doing, guys? Hey, nice of you all to show up tonight. Hey, hey, hey. You know, we we felt like coming on tonight. Huh? You know what? My condition is allowing me to come on tonight. So we hopped Tyler up on some illicit substances <laughs> before we started recording tonight. <laughs> Um, we can't disclose Alleged. what exactly he took before we started recording, um, but let's just say that he's amped, he's ready to go, he might have an outburst of anger at some point, um, yes. but he's not going to get fired tonight because he actually showed up. Uh, and then, uh, Ron, Ron, how are you doing? What's your uh, what's your excuse? Good. Um, my excuse <laughs> is I'm a nerd and I had to study for uh, my CPA exam that I took yesterday, actually, so... How how are you feeling coming off of that? Um, I'm happy it's over, happy and it's I would over. much rather be doing this and making money off of this than try to do my regular job and make money off of that. So, hey, gotta have backup plans, right, Ron? Yeah, you know, I mean, athletes have backup plans. You know, podcasters have to have them too. So, yeah, exactly. Johnny, how are you doing? No, I'm good. Um, we're just coming off of Shy Sox Weekly Tone, so we've been at it for a while here. But um, we've got a lot to share Blackhawks-wise. There's a lot of news, um, a lot of play to talk about, um, a lot of things that um, are not with the Hawks uh, right now but still relate to the Hawks. So um, it's going to be a jam-packed show, and I'm excited to get into it. Let's do it. All right, so let's start with the last week of games. Uh, Tony and I last talked Thursday night. Um, that was when the uh, Blackhawks fell the Islanders in overtime. So we discussed that game already. Since then, there have only been two. Sunday night, a 5-3 win at Pittsburgh. Monday night, a 4-3 loss versus Calgary. Um, that game at Pittsburgh, the Hawks fell down 2-0 early, uh, not even five minutes into the game, but then were able to recover with strong effort and uh, came back and won that one uh, last night. Um you know, that was a uh, game where it was kind of a track meet, I would say. And then uh, in the third period, uh, the Hawks really kind of suffered the um, consequences of, you know, being in that type of game with a team like Calgary, who leads Western Conference. So, uh, guys, you watch any of those. Um, let, let's send it over to you guys for a little bit of analysis on these. Yeah, I think I think Pittsburgh's game on Sunday was a very terrifying game to watch in those first five minutes. Um, you know, for other Chicago sports fans, not named Johnny Nani, um, or myself, the yeah, the heartbreak of the Bears game was was tough. So coming in was like, all right, at least let's let's salvage the day, let's get a nice 
Blackhawks victory, and then they come out and go down 2-0. And I was like, well, this is not going to be fucking good. Um, fortunately, yeah, I think you know they were able to keep pace with, with Pittsburgh. Um, they were able to solve Casey DeSmith. I uh, give a lot of credit to Cam Ward. He actually looked pretty good after those two goals. Um, and lo and behold, uh, the Blackhawks get a victory in Pittsburgh and continue to own the Penguins despite not being nearly as good of a team as they probably could be. So um, definitely a big plus. And then last night's game was weird. It really was. This is like they had ooh, crack them. Crack them. Um, you know, they had good. <laughs> they had good. They had good opportunities, you know, to to put it away. Um, you know, Delia played fantastic and yet, you know, they still come up on the losing end of that game. Um, just to quickly re- relate to for the for the listeners, uh, anytime we hear a beer crack, uh, it's like telling a dog there's a squirrel running down the, the backyard. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> you can be mid thought and you hear and it's like crack them. Can of beer. What? We we love cracking them around here. Uh, I'm still I'm still rolling with the uh, with the Budweiser Bud Diesels. I think Johnny's rolling with the uh, the Bush Lights over there. Uh, Ron, are yes. you are you cracking them tonight? I am not. I did not have a chance to get a beer before. Yeah. It's so. Ron, I I was just finishing my last one when you were on there. I didn't mean to disrupt your thoughts, but like you, I was gonna crack them in celebration of the Pens win, but then you went right into the Flames game. So then, as soon as you uh, brought up that it was a loss, I had to crack it. It's <laughs> the only way to solve the problem. <laughs> How do you fix a Blackhawks loss? Drink more beer. How do you celebrate? How do you celebrate a Blackhawks win? You crack one. How do you celebrate a Blackhawks loss? You still crack one. There's no excuse not to be cracking beers at any point in time, especially with the Blackhawks. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll tie. Uh, excuse me, Ron. You brought up a couple good points in there. We will get to those in a second when we break down uh, a little bit of more grouping wise forward uh, defensemen, goaltenders. But Tyler, uh, any general thoughts from those games? Yeah, I think uh, I think Ron broke it down pretty well, and you know it's nice to see Kane kind of play at an elite level, and, and it's nice to see Debrinket kind of fucking you know do exactly what he's supposed to do on this team and score goals, and you know it, it hasn't been the best season, and we all know that, but to still see these guys come out and compete and, and do what they're supposed to do is is definitely something that that makes me happy. Tony, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I've got a few different things here. Um, number one, uh, Johnny, when you and I talked, we talked about how, uh, Pittsburgh was the game that I was looking forward to the most. Um, they came out very, very slow, like Ron said. Um, and for most Chicago fans, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty concerning if you had just flipped in from, uh, from watching Cody Parkey hit the, uh, hit the upright, um, pretty good moment for me. Uh, watching that happen, not a good moment for anybody else. But um, having them come back in that game and command Pittsburgh for their 10th straight win over uh, Sidney Crosby and the uh, the Penguins, that's I, I could drink to that all night. Um, I'm just going to take a sip of beer here. And cheers. Whatever. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Um, we talked about it a little bit, like I said, on that last podcast that we did. Um you know, we've had to kind of share a decade with with the Penguins uh, as far as cup runs and everything. And you know, when when hockey historians look back on the 
2010 through 2020 seasons, they're going to compare what uh, what the Hawks did against the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and who was the better team. And you know, cup runs aside, uh, and the the two teams have never met in the playoffs. But there's no arguing that ten fucking straight wins against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, goes into that equation of who was the better franchise over this decade. Um, so even though the Hawks have struggled a little bit this year, a little bit last year, we've still maintained what we need to do against the other uh, great, uh, what you would call, pseudo-dynasty uh, in the NHL. So um, keep the wins against Pittsburgh coming. Uh, I was just ecstatic with that victory. Um now, I think that win put them close to within like six points of a playoff spot. And then you come out against Calgary yesterday. And I've been saving this up. Uh, I, I tweeted the other night uh, after after the uh, after the loss. And, and you guys saw the group chat. Um, what the fuck was that last two minutes of play? And I want to break this down pretty much, you know, down to what I saw here. So... You're on the power play, and Colleton decides that it's a great fucking idea to pull the goalie with about eh, two minutes left in the game, somewhere somewhere around there. Um, there was going to be about 30, 30 seconds remaining in the game after the power play had expired. And Artem Anisimov has the puck down in the low slot area with the brinket pretty much far post wide open there was one defender in front of them and what the fuck does this guy do he tries to take a bad angle shot on the net when all he had to do was attempt to slide over pass to Debrinket and pretty much Debrinket's you know the the it was pretty much right in Debrinket's breadbasket where he scores all these fucking goals, right? Like, this is where this guy makes his bread and butter. He can score from that angle all day. And Artem Anisimov puts one right into the goalie. The puck sputters loose, goes down the ice, and what do they do? They fucking score on a goddamn empty net. And, Johnny, I know you were a man in the Forefathers Twitter account at the po- at that point in time. And I think you tweeted something out to the effect of, well, this one's pretty much over. Um, they still had the power play after that. So you give up a shorthanded goal. You had already had the advantage on the ice as far as players. I don't. I, I understand the be aggressive here, but I don't really think you needed to because you come right back out and what the hell happens? What happens, Johnny? Oh, sod roof the shot. Um, it was a bad angle shot, but he still got it on and uh... – uh, they scored, so it ended up being 4-3, and that was with about 28 seconds left. Right, and then the power play expires, and you get just pretty much get into you know run-the-clock time there for Calgary, and they lose. I don't understand that sequence of events at all because you not only miss the opportunity to just remain on the power play and keep your goalie in, knowing that... Calgary can just fire shots down the ice while they're on the PK with no threat of icing the puck. I'm just, I'm not a fan of pulling the goalie in late game situations like that where you're down a goal and the other team can just fire pucks from 
anywhere on the ice and not even risk the icing call. It's just a, it's it's a stupid idea in my opinion. Um, I think that shows kind of Carlton's lack of experience uh, at the NHL level and being a coach. I was not happy with that. All you needed to do was kind of hang on to hang on to the the one man advantage and pull the goalie right after time expires on your power play if you still haven't put one in and they pretty much proved right off the face off they come down the ice and sod roofs one i mean they had the opportunity to do that that's really frustrating especially for a team that is so close to getting themselves back into what you could say is the playoff picture uh i i just that frustrated me beyond belief um Growing pains, nonetheless. But you know, you've got a veteran that makes that move to try and put that rough, really rough angle shot on, um, and I, ugh, it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. You can't be making plays like that if you're going to consider yourself a playoff con- uh, contending team. Um, pretty disappointed in that one. Yeah. So with. Uh... I think that, you know, Tony, I'm I'm kind of toeing the line here because I agree with you that it should not have happened that early, uh, especially of the power play. I would say let that shift work out, and then when you can change off and have a fresh group of guys apply more pressure, then you really want to take a risk. So then you're decreasing that down to maybe you've already killed, you know, or you've already used up half that power play time. That might be a point to make a, an aggressive play and pull that goalie. So you get that uh, six on four there. So I agree with you in that aspect, but um, I, I don't, I don't know. It, at the end of the game, you're kind of playing for percentages where, as you also kind of brought up, whereas Nisimov already had a higher percentage play if he just passes it to, to break it instead of firing off that bad angle shot. So uh, there's there's blame to go around uh, here. It's not. I don't think it's set on one individual, Jeremy Colladin, Artemishimov, no. or the you know the likes. But that uh, I, I I think I, it, I this is just me. This is just me. If I was head coach, I probably would have waited until that second shift of power play guys is out there. Um, we got some fresh legs on the ice. We can keep that puck in, cycle a little bit more. Uh, win those battles along the boards, and then you know what? Maybe you get a that your percentage increases, obviously with rebounds and whatever, with six as opposed to five there. So uh, that probably would have been my approach. But I understand where you're coming from in the fire with all of that because, like you said, all the circumstances considered, big win against Pittsburgh uh, the night before, a uh, chance to you know climb two more points into the playoff picture there. So uh, you know, it's just frustrating. It is. Well, and I, I would have even just been happy with getting the point out of that game. Um, and that's that's the thing that frustrated me was, you know, you see the combination of mistakes. Um, Artem Anisimov needs to know that they do have the empty net and not to take a, a, not to take a bad shot there um, with the fact that the goalie's pulled. Uh, you need to be re- you need to be reactionary to that. If if the goalie's pulled, you can't be taking those kind of chances. High percentage shots that, um, you know, you have a, a if if it's not going in, you got to be able to get that rebound. And you know that's, yeah. I I just don't like watching a team pull a goalie while they're on the power play. I think if they're not on the power play there, you're totally fine pulling that goalie, um, even sooner than that. Uh, but pulling the goalie while you're on the power play in those last few minutes of the game, um, 
I just feel like it exposes you way too much with the other team being able to just fire the puck down because they're already in a in a PK situation where they can just they're I mean they're looking to ice the puck. So that's that's just my my qualm about it. Ron uh, Ron Ty, I'm curious of your thoughts. No, I think you hit it on the head. I think just the the one thing I could add is you know the the last 2 minutes was kind of just an entire implosion of the team and that is it's things like that that keep teams that can be good teams from being good teams you know that's that's the difference between a playoff team who can make a run for the cup and a team who's going to be picking in probably the top 7 or 8 picks in the draft you know, and I, again, I think you you hit it on the head. It's growing pains. You know, a, a newer coach, I think he's settled in well. I, I think that's been an encouraging sign uh, mm-hmm. over the last maybe month or so, uh, three and a half weeks, call it. Um, but you know, I mean, in in the end, it's just it is it is really frustrating as a fan because <laughs> they're right there. You know. Dealey is giving you a chance to win. You know, there's no question about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, shit hits the fan and you lose the game because of something like that. So, uh, Tony, I think you hit it on the head. I don't want to take away from that beautiful rant of yours. Um, I I think that put it uh, into perspective pretty well. Tyler, what do you got? Yeah, I think you guys really covered it all. I mean, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of, you know, the decision to kind of pull that goalie while you're on the power play. And I think Carlton has to, you know, take into consideration that we don't have the best power play percentage. And, you know, we're not (laughs) we've been known to kind of cough it up, especially towards the blue line there. Uh, So, you know, again, probably not the best idea to do that. And, uh, you know, as a new coach, it's definitely something like we've talked about growing pains, but something to learn from and uh, something to go for the future. It just bothers me, I guess. I didn't get a chance to watch the Calgary game, but to see kind of you know, the effort that we like to see in the Pittsburgh game, battling back from 2-0 and then an implosion in the next game in the third period when it matters, it's just it's frustrating to see this team kind of uh, go through its ups and downs. Yeah, so Ron touched on um, how Dahlia had kept them in that. I just wanted to um, give a quick stat. Pretty quick. Um, Colin Daly made 39 saves on 42 shots in that loss versus Calgary. Um, he absolutely kept the Hawks in that game in the third period. Um, the Hawks allowed eight high danger scoring chances for or against in that uh, third frame, but they only generated one. So uh, you're talking. I've tweeted out the gif of the guy standing on his head saying that's Colin Daly right now. Uh, it definitely was. Um, he was the reason the Hawks did not. Um, go down, you know, two, three goals in that third period because uh, it very well could have been. And the one that he let up was just kind of a squeaker. Uh, Gaudreau got it off the boards, bad shift by the Hawks. Uh, he fires one through. You know, he's got a quick release, so Daly is trying to close that five hole, and he just did not get get it closed quick enough, and that one squeaked through. So, um, it, you know, it's it's frustrating to see that uh, kind of implosion there when you have that chance at the end uh, with the power play there and a prime position tied up but um you know that's that, that's where we are overall uh i can't be 
too upset as compared to where we were earlier in the season. We were naming every every episode dark days and uh, you know sad situation and all this and that. So doom uh, and gloom. Yeah, doom and gloom. All uh, you know, all of the above. Hey, so, you know, in the beginning uh, yeah, of the season, say, though, Johnny, we were we were pretty high on this team, actually. Oh, that there was a there like was a, a dip. good like a two dip. weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I, I guess I'm referencing the uh, the dip in between there. Um, but yeah, props to Colin Daly for keeping the Hawks in that thing on Monday night. Um, so let, let, let's talk about some of the positives from that game, though. There was uh, Patrick Kane, Alex Dabrinkit, some positives in that game. Um, what what word are we going to use to describe going forward uh, for Patrick Kane, guys? Nasty. Nasty. Patrick, Patrick Kane, make it nasty. Uh, that backhand goal that he scored, the first goal that the Hawks had all game, um, that was unbelievable. That was vintage Kaner below the goal line, just throws his hands th- towards the crossbar, as Eddie O always likes to say, uh, goes top shelf off of the shoulder of the goaltender, uh, and then... It, that was unbelievable. Kane is on fire right now. He's got 12 points in his last six games. Um, he had two beautiful assists going across the ice at Pittsburgh. Um, he, there's a reason why he's our all-star guys. Uh, it's a treat to watch him every night. Um, it, we, I don't know what, where we can even go with this. We, give me your favorite uh, Kane play besides that backhander because that was obviously highlight real material. I don't know if there's anything better than that. Uh, you're talking best Kane moments? Johnny? You cut out there. Are you, are you talking best Kane moments? Yeah, so I was thinking, like, you know, of those, you know, uh, of what you can remember in recent um what what was your uh, favorite? I'll, I'll go ahead and say that an other assist that he had in that game uh, where he dished it to bring it down on the wing there, just perfect one-timer. <laughs> so, my f- yeah, my favorite Patrick Kane moment was actually in a game that I was at. It was in 2015. It was one of the losses that we actually had to Anaheim in the Western Conference Final. Uh, where he pulled the spinorama goal, and it was one of the only goals that we scored that game. I think it was the only goal that we scored in that game. Uh, my wife and I were actually there for it, and um, just watching him come down and pull off the spinorama right into a backhand top shelf fucking just disgusting shot um, was probably the best goal that I've ever seen him score live. Um and I paid a lot of money for those tickets, so I'm going to take that memory and say that it's my favorite just because it probably cost me somewhere near a G to see him do that. So uh, that's my favorite Patrick Kane moment. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, Tony. I was originally going to limit it to, like, this season or, like, a, you know, the recent stretch that he's been on, but I like that. Let's Let's roll with it, Ron. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I can actually attest for this is something that I got to witness live. Uh, We have to take it all the way back, though, to the 2008-2009 season. So this is pre-first Stanley Cup. Um, Was fortunate enough to attend the Blackhawks-Canucks playoff game, game six of the uh, second round of that year. So it was for the Hawks to go play the Wings in the conference final. 
um, Patrick Kane's uh, playoff hat trick on the dirty backhand goal for the hat trick. I think he was at least six, seven, eight feet out and just roofs this over Luongo's shoulder. I mean, it was arguably the best back end I've ever seen uh, just because of the amount of distance uh, that it covered and was, it was still just lethal. So I think I would have to rank that um, up at the top, but yeah, that back end the other uh, last night was dirty or I'm sorry, nasty. Nasty. I like all these dirty, nasty, disgusting comments that we're making about Kane right now. Yeah. That's a se- that's a segment. It's called Patrick Kane. Make it nasty. <laughs> We're on to you, uh, Ty. Um, so I think my favorite moment from Patrick Kane. It's probably an unpopular one too, but um, I think that that game when we won the Stanley Cup uh, back in 2015, where he takes that no look pass from Brad Richards and just fucking buries it on. Uh, I think it's Vasilevsky just a beautiful goal and i think it was the excitement of knowing that we just won that game really fucking pumped me up but honestly this year uh he had one of my favorite moments of all time when he's going trading sellies with austin matthews i think that was that's perfect indication of of patrick Kane and why why chicagoans love him so much yeah that that was a great moment there if we're going all time since i already said mine from the most recent run here um i gotta go with the uh the hat trick uh, completion in double overtime, 2013 against Kings. That overtime, you know, just nerves like crazy. Uh, but there's no no question about. It. As soon as he gets that uh, pass from Taves, he's burying it. Quick didn't even have a fucking chance. Heartbreaker, baby. Hey, this is fun, guys. Talking about good times. Hmm. There's, you know what? I I got so inspired after watching that backhand goal last night. So if you haven't checked it out go watch the make it nasty patrick kane edit on our twitter account on our youtube channel on our instagram page it's up on all of those um i I just strung together some highlights just from 2018 2019 of patrick kane obviously i could make it run way longer if we were going full career here but i just wanted to give a little recap and a little hat tip to our all-star here um uh, i Enjoy talking about Patrick Kane, but there are other players on this team. Let's talk about Alex Dabrinkit. Um, he scored last night against the Flames. Um, he's now got back-to-back 20-goal seasons to begin his career with the Blackhawks, and he joins an elite list. I won't list all of these guys, but guys on that list include Panarin, Taves, Kane, Days, Ronick, Olchek, Larmer. Uh, I mean, Dennis Savard, the list can keep going on here. I, won't I love that Chris Rostegui is on this list. But- Christopher Stieg is on this <laughs> list, but, um, you know, uh, the, the Alex Dabrinkit, uh, Ty, he's your guy. Let, let's kick it off with you. Um, yeah, you really man. Told- I mean, I think it was maybe the, the last year that he was in the OHL. I remember talking with my brother about how good he was going to be in the NHL and, and he had his doubts about his size and I think everybody else did. And that's why he fell so deep in the draft and, to see him come out and uh, and perform the way he has, who was? If you guys can remind me and refresh my memory, who was? Um, he tied some old Blackhawks record for, or the last person to win that uh, MVP award in the OHL. Can you remember who that was on the Blackhawks? Was it Hull? 
I'm not quite sure what award you're referencing, but was it like he this... won MVP in the OHL, I believe. And the last Blackhawk to do that was, I think it was Bobby Hall. I don't Ron, know. you're the stats guy. Do you got anything on this? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I can I can do some digging. Yeah, dig it up, man. No, yeah. I mean regardless, it's just it, it's fun right now to see him perform. Um, you know. He's in a similar, I mean, obviously not the same output as he had with the OHL, but in a similar fashion, and I think it has rejuvenated Kane a bit, and it's done nothing but good, and I hope that uh, the Hawks can continue to lock this kid down because he's 100% worth it. Stan Makita, Tyler. Stan Makita, there you go. That's a good name to be in company with. Yeah. No, so I just wanted to touch on Brinkett really quickly because that is some good company to be in there. Uh, kids a stud. Um, we're happy to have them. That is one prospect that Stan uh, definitely should never trade away. I mean, obviously not a prospect anymore, a mainstay on this team. But when you talk about the young core, and you know, a lot of people like to reference all of the uh, Hartmans and Schmaltz and Hinnestroza and Tavos that are gone, uh, the Brinkett will be here to stay, and I don't think even Stan Bowman on his bad days would think about trading him. So show that we were talking about uh, some Blackhawks that are no longer with the team now. Um, and Ned, since we talked about, I talked about Stan Bowman there for a second. Uh, we're going to get into some of these acquisitions. You know, we had talked about how uh, the Strom, Ron said it perfectly during the Sia Schmaltz episode, um, how it was too early to judge Strom versus Schmaltz trade, um, or Strom for Schmaltz and, excuse me, Schmaltz for Strom and Perlini trade. Um, But now that we're looking back on it, there's some news that came out today. It's unfortunate. You never like to see a player get injured, but Nick Schmaltz is now out for the season with the knee injury for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, but I, I do have some stats here in the rundown um, comparing these guys since they've uh, been with their new teams. And uh, I feel like now is a good time to just look back and kind of do a little bit of judgment on this trade. Obviously, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. But, um, Ron, uh, let, let, let's hear from you on uh, now that Schmaltz will be done for the season. Um, I think we're feeling a little bit better about this uh, strom Perlini acquisition even better than we were to start with. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think, uh, you know, the jury was out so much on this trade just because really all three of the players um, were either underperforming at the time or had underperformed just in general. Um, you know, Schmaltz was coming off of a very good season from the year prior, but was not at all putting up the kind of numbers he did the year prior. Uh, Brandon Perlini coming off of a, a very good campaign for the Coyotes the year prior and just for whatever reason couldn't get it going down there in Arizona. Uh, and Dylan Strom, I mean, this was a guy that was taken third overall, you know, in the draft and really wasn't living up to the expectation of even being a consistent top six player. I mean, he he was playing mainly on, I think, I think it was the fourth line and his most common line mates in Arizona were Lawson Kraus and, oh... Wow, I can't even tell you. Who the other. I think it was Cousins. I think yes, I believe you were. Right. I believe you were right. So, with all that being said, um, 
you know, it was just a lot of uncertainty. And I think now that we're about 20 games into this trade, um, maybe just a little over 20, I think now, actually, um, you know, Schmaltz had 14 points before going down. Um, very respectable numbers. He had a nice little hot streak, I think, in, in there at one point where he went maybe four or five games in a row with a point. Very respectable. I think, again, I think it was just he was playing in, in a situation that favored him. Um, going the other direction, Dylan Strom has looked real good on that two line. And yes, okay, but he's playing with Patrick Kane. Yeah, he, he's you still got to be a good player to play with Patrick Kane. Nick Schmaltz was playing with Patrick Kane. And guess what? Nick Schmaltz wasn't doing dick. That's why he got traded. Like, there's there's a reason for that. You know, Strom has really fit in nicely. I, I would argue Strom fits with Kane the way that Anisimov fit in between Panarin and Kane that first season. But. Strom is much more talented as an as a player all around. He's much better in the faceoff dot, which is that alone has been huge. Um, but he's also, you know, he's a big body. He's not afraid to go to the net. He's not afraid to shoot. Uh, definitely a better passer, I think, than Anisimov. I mean, you look at that two line; they've been successful, and it's really been just Strom and Kane and Anisimov just going into corners to get pucks. You know, so if, if they can have it. You know, at some point where they have somebody with maybe a little more skill on that left wing, um, that line could be potentially even more dangerous. But to that point, Strom also has 14 points, seven goals in that span. Um, and our boy Brandon Perlini, I, I think he, I think he's finding his game. I really our do. Boy. You know, <laughs> our boy. And we'll we'll get into that later. But yeah, uh, you know, he's. He's really coming around. I mean, and he's not playing a ton of ice time right now. He's been playing in the bottom six, but he's embraced the role. He's played the role well. Um, and really in these last couple of games now, I think we're talking maybe the last six and seven games, he's been incredibly noticeable. He's really been driving the play of those lower lines. You know, it doesn't matter whether he's on the three or the four. Exactly. Can't hear him. Can't hear him at all. Yep. You know, he's... He's he's driving play. He really is. I mean, uh, you know, Ty and I were at the Winter Classic, and and one of the the common denominators of our conversation afterwards was Perlini really stood out. Of course, he scored a goal, but even even outside of the goal, you know, he was constantly on the puck. He was constantly driving play with that fourth line into the into the offensive zone. And you know, if you can make that much of a difference, only playing on average ten minutes a night. Uh, that shows you're a good player, and I think if he gets more quality opportunities, um, you know, potentially playing on the third line, um, that would be would be beneficial, and and we could potentially celebrate with our boy Perlini as as he keeps this up here. I'm gonna crack one for Perlini right now. There we go. Yeah, so we we got some news on Brendan Perlini. We're gonna leave it for the announcements at the end of the show. Um, but it is very exciting news in relation to who Ron was just referring to, Brendan Perlini. Um, I, I, there is now that we're talking about transition, or excuse me, transactions. Uh, Tony, you and I talked a little bit uh, last week about the Manning trade and the effect that it's having on Edmonton fans and whatever. We've gotten even some more reactions now. Uh, so, Tony, uh, the Edmonton fans are not happy with them. Brendan, or no, they're not. Me, Brandon. Brandon Manning played three games as soon as he got traded to Edmonton from the Hawks, and then he was scratched in the next two. 
Um, what, what's the most uh, recent reaction from up in Edmonton? Um, so what I saw earlier, I'm, I'm, I can't remember who actually tweeted this out, but I'm pretty sure he was from TSN. Um, there was somebody made available. I got to go Maroon. back. Who was it, Ron? The, it was Maroon. 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 Pat Maroon. Yeah. Okay, so Pat Maroon was made available. And the question was posed to Edmonton Oilers fans that uh, if the Oilers could give somebody up for them or for him, uh, who would you include in the deal? And you can't include Brandon Manning. And just about every response from every sorry-ass Oilers fan uh, was Brandon Manning because they want his ass so far fucking away from that team that they just want to get rid of him so bad in any type of trade deal that they possibly can find. Um, This is actually so hilarious to me uh, because it's literally Stan Bowman giving somebody else his piece of shit signing and them realizing right away that they don't even want this piece of garbage playing on their team. That <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing. It's literally amazing to me because I can't do anything but laugh about how much hatred that they have for Brandon Manning only being on their team for what, like four games? Yeah. I mean, even even three, the Hawks three fans games played and two scratched. Yeah, so so five games total. Two of them he spent in the press box drinking and eating off of the Oilers' dime. Um, you know, I mean, even the Blackhawks put up with him for for longer than that before. I think we were all ready to ship him out of here. Um, if you're Brandon Manning, I mean, how do you how do you react to this? I mean, you know, you still have a year guaranteed on your deal. Like, what are they going to do with them? I mean, it's just, it's too good to be true. Um, I can't wait wait to watch the rest of the situation unfold. Um, I foresee Brandon Manning ending up on LTIR uh, in the Phoenix Coyotes organization at in the near future, uh, if that continues, because there's no other way to get get out of the rest of that deal. Uh, uh, they're just going to have to eat it, and I'm just happy it's not happening in Chicago. So free up some cap space, uh, get a little comedy on Twitter. Um, I'm happy. Best trade Stan Bowman's made in uh, God knows how long. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to to add on top of that though, I, what what would I think if I was Brandon Manning? Well, I would be laughing my way to the bank every single paycheck when he's collecting his 2.25 million dollars to be a healthy scratch every game i mean the dude literally won the lottery right literally like he doesn't have to do shit and he gets to collect that kind of paycheck and the only the only person who has to pay for this is the owner of the oilers like i mean there's granted you have to live in edmonton but I'm sure Ron and Ty, Johnny, I mean, even I, I'd go live in Edmonton for, for two years and collect <laughs> collect that, that paycheck and then move wherever the fuck I want to. I mean, the real winner here is Brandon Manning. Yes, Dude, I would live fucking anywhere for $2.5 million. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, you, 
You can ship me just about anywhere and tell me I'm collecting that money, and I would probably find a way to be okay with it. Here's my question. Why didn't we start trading with the Oilers earlier? I mean, they could have took Brian Pickle. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Peter Chiarelli is not going to be with the job for long, though. That's all I'm going to say. It's debatable. He's lasted this long. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. Like even even if he leaves Edmonton, I mean, I mean, let's get him in Arizona. I mean that would just be the the next best thing. <laughs> just keep that pipeline uh, running smooth. Oh yeah, just keep the pipeline running smooth. I'm I'm sure Rocky Wirtz can can grease the pockets somewhere, somebody, uh, to get his boy Peter uh, another job somewhere. I mean, I need that to happen because, you know, we need to keep making deals like that. Yeah, it is, this is, you know, when I uh, tweeted the blog on it the day that it happened. First of all, we were all shocked. Uh, I, I was kind of like writing from a state of euphoria. I don't even know if that was me typing when I did it. But, um, <laughs> uh, he, you know, the, the headline, the only one I could come up with was Stan won a trade. And he, this was one outright you know the other one like strom uh schmaltz perlini that whole deal we had to kind of you know that's kind of wait and see this one i could just outright say stan won a trade and it was a beautiful thing and we're we are totally absolutely right even if drake kajula gives us 10 minutes vice time per night just having that manning as well <laughs> um tony i i, I want to i want to gather your understanding on this um early on in the season you had quite the uh conspiracy theory that nobody wanted to trade with the hawks uh i think we found your guy i, I can understand this 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 love for mr chirelli here and and can we just clone him and send him to each team in the NHL that's as the I'm, GM? That's what I'm saying because it seems like he'd trade for my shit and literally give me anything that I wanted to at this point in time. Like I need to go start taking bigger shits so that and then sign them to two point two five million dollar contracts and then Peter Chiarelli can take them and send me back things that I value slightly. <laughs> Like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to take a shit. I'm going to sign it to a, a contract. I'm going to get Stan Bowman to give it a fucking no trade clause. And then I'm going to send it to wherever Peter Chiarelli is, and he's going to accept it happily and then send me back things that I want. I'm starting to think of things that I want in return. Um, you know, like a new car or, you know, pay off my mortgage. I'm pretty sure these are the types of things that he would send back in return for my craps that I took that have no trade clauses. And then, you know, in the, in, in my last deal that I do with Peter Chiarelli, I'm going to get Botox injections for life for Stan Bowman and his eye bags. And everything is going to be right in the world. Oh, God. Uh, that might be our best comedic section in poor father's history right there. <laughs> oh, I love it, Tony. I Absolutely love it. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> Tyler, I don't know if there's anything you could even like double back up on that. I was going to ask for your take on it. I'm sure you're just happy to be uh, done with Manning. And, uh, you know, you know. <laughs> I, I can't really follow up, Tony. I can't imagine you can either. You pretty much covered that. 
Oh, God. All right. Well, it's hard to transition back into being anything type of uh, serious topic related here, but we're going to try. We are going to try. It's just a quick news note. Uh, Sheldon Brookbank, formerly assistant coach of the uh, Rockford Ice Hogs, has now been promoted to a Blackhawks assistant coach. So this also gets rid of one of the pieces of crap that we don't want, Tony. Um, (laughs) Jeremy Jeremy (laughs) Collins. Jeremy Colladin confirmed that Barry Smith will eventually move back into his role as uh, director of player evaluation with the Hawks. Um, said that it was just sort of a transition sort of move uh, for Smith being in an assistant coach role there. So um, what what are our thoughts here? We, I mean, I know we had talked about, uh, especially in that uh, Q show, um, about how much we were upset about uh, uh, Barry Smith being in a assistant positions role, um, for me, it couldn't happen soon enough. What about you guys? Jesus yeah, Christ, like yeah, save me for last. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it really quick. Um, yeah, thank God he's moving away. I, I, I think, and we may or may not have brought this up originally when, when we discussed this on the Q episode, but um, we were all a little upset that Carlton wasn't able to pick his staff. So now that you know, he's, he's getting to inherit kind of one of his guys. Um, and he even admitted, you know, that was the plan all along. We wanted Sheldon. We just didn't want to disrupt Rockford all more than we already had. I think that's a fair statement. Um, I like Sheldon Brookbank. I I think he's been a a good assistant coach. I mean, obviously, you know, him and him and Colleton click, uh, and, and that goes, you know, a long way. So, um, I like them bringing him on. Anything to get Barry Smith's old ass off the bench um, is is good in my eyes. So uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, Mr. Jones, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I obviously, I like to get Smith the fuck out of there. And, you know, Brookbank being, you know, played for the Blackhawks is a pretty decent defenseman. I think he could bring a decent amount of, uh, you know, decent amount of uh, good teaching points to these young defensemen that are they're going to be coming through the system here in the next few years so all in all i like it sheldon brookbank is the 2013 stanley cup champion that's all i have to say there you go so the only thing i have to say about barry smith is during the colorado game barry smith gave one of the most excellent uh, intermission interviews, and I'm actually about to send this to you guys. Um, there's some weird audio because I had the game on mute. My wife was watching a, a, a TV show in the background, but behind Brandon or Barry Smith was two young gentlemen who were involved in a little 108ing, uh, something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, and I just want you guys to watch this video. Um, of these guys trying to take down whatever this this is. It looks like it was probably some sort of tequila or, or something else. I'll send it to you guys. But I really love the Barry Smith uh, interviews because the guy just, he looks like a piece of my crap um, as well. So, I mean, if I could trade Barry Smith to Peter Chiarelli as well, uh, I would do so. But this this video was actually one of my favorite Hawks moments of the year. I'm surprised that I actually didn't share it with you guys earlier. Um, you'll get that pretty soon, and uh, we'll go from there on that. But uh, 
I'm just happy because I think I've said my piece on on Barry Smith um, this year, and uh, I did not like him at all being put into that coaching staff. It, it was uh, one of the I think the worst decisions that Stan Bowman made this year. Um, I mean, you you have the background uh, from from what happened with Coach Q. And then on top of that, I think one of the guys who's been very vocal about this on Twitter has been Daniel Carcillo. Um, I really liked his response uh, to, I think it was Eric Lear that put that, put that, that tweet out. Um, that, that video should have gone through. Crack him. Crack, Crack him. There we go. Um, I had to unmute my mic just for that. Well, always do that. Um, so... You know, that's one of the things that I didn't like, and I went on that major rant on the Q show uh, that we did about Barry Barry Smith. So I don't really have much else to say about that besides um, just get off the bench. Uh, but if you're going to give interviews, uh, please have people behind you uh, doing stuff like the video that I had just sent you guys. So hope you enjoy that. I have a suggestion um, for name of this episode, and it should certainly be Tony's shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's all it should say. And everybody is going to wonder what the hell we talk about. And it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> so. Oh, God. There, uh, yeah. The, I mean, for the amount that we've talked about it, it would definitely be fitting. So, um Let's uh, we're we're getting close to wrapping this thing up. Uh, I just got a few more notes here uh, that are left in the rundown. No, we didn't get to everything, but we did have some backup topics in case they were needed. Um, just a final little touch on some uh, World Junior uh, reports. I know we had been given that Finland won the gold over Team USA. Uh, so Henry Yoki Haru for Finland wins gold, uh, and then Evan Barrett with uh, Team USA. When Silver, uh, Evan Barrett only had one point all tournament. He had that ridiculous backhander goal uh, in the very first game of the tournament. And we were all like, oh, wow, this guy's going to tear it up. And then he went completely quiet there. So that's not entirely encouraging. Um, but, I mean, he's been tearing it up at Penn State. So you can only hope for his development to continue to grow there. Henry Yokiharu now returns to the team. Um, he is now back on the roster. So I would most likely see Brandon Davidson moved out of the lineup there. Um, Philip Kershev had himself a tournament. We're going back to world juniors now, uh, six goals, one assist, had a hat trick in one of those games, uh, in seven games for Switzerland. Uh, they lost in the bronze medal game to Russia. Um, of note, other than that, um, Mackenzie Entwistle had three goals in five games for team Canada in that tournament. Um, but that, that's all I got prospect wise. I just want to touch on those guys a little bit. World juniors are always fun to watch. So it was cool to see some of the Hawks prospects get in some action there. Um, let's, uh, let's look at the week ahead. Um, we have, uh, tomorrow night. So actually tonight when this episode will be released Wednesday, the 9th of January, uh, Hawks on uh, national television at home against Nashville, Trashville. The Mustard Tigers, whatever you want to call them, 7 p.m. Uh, Saturday at home uh, versus Vegas, 7.30 p.m. And then next Monday, uh, they're at New Jersey at 6 p.m. So what are we looking forward to this week, boys? Tyler, start it off. Um, you know what? I always look forward to a Nashville game. Um, I think it's always exciting, and there's always some, a little bit of bad blood there. So, uh, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't know what I'm looking forward to. You know what? I'm honestly kind of looking forward to seeing them play Vegas. Uh, and the reason for that is Vegas is currently a, as of this morning when I checked. So that could be very different as of the time this drops um, because there's a ton of games going on tonight. But uh, Vegas was the fourth best team in the NHL in the standings. Um, they've been very hot of late. Um, that team's really starting to kind of gel together and come around. Paul Stasny's healthy. Max Pacioretty's starting to heat up. Uh, the defense is playing up to standards now that Nate Schmidt is back from the, his suspension. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has statistically, I think, been the best goaltender in the NHL this year, if not one of the top three. Um, I want to see how the Hawks stack up against them. It, and honestly, it, it kind of reminds me of this time last year. I think the Hawks actually played on, I think it was January 7th last year. Uh, it was a Saturday night game. So right, right around the same time of year. Uh, against Vegas. It was the first time they'd ever come to Chicago and Vegas was just a rolling and the Hawks weren't playing all that well, but the Hawks played them really tough that night, even though they lost. So things like that is what I want to see. I want to see them be able to go up against good teams, even if they lose and at least make it competitive uh, because then that only suggests good things going forward for the future. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they stack up against the guys from uh, Sin City. I've got a new segment that's called Latest Tweets on Twitter with the words Brandon Manning in them. Oh. Do share. All right. So we're starting this off with uh, one from at Swapsicles. Uh, this was posted 22 minutes ago. The difference between Doug Wilson and Peter Chiarelli as GM is the same as the difference between Eric Carlson and Brandon Manning as NHL players. Scratch that. It's the same difference between Eric Carlson and a banana peel as NHL players. <laughs> banana peel. That's a that's a good one. I know Ron likes to use traffic cone or pylon, but I think banana peel is another good one. Pylon. So so I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Petrovic just went down with an injury um, for the Oilers. And... Uh, Somebody just tweeted over in Edmonton. This guy, his name is Cheater Pirelli at Deshante24. And he goes, wondering with Petrovic out now, is anybody else happy that we have Brandon Manning? Noogie's Teddy Bear tweeted, LOL. And then it was responded with, am I wrong? Hashtag depth. Noogie's Teddy Bear responded, Noogie picks boogers that are more useful than Brandon Manning. (laughs) <laughs> Here's another good one. Jesus. This is from Garrett at G underscore Dicka 36 minutes ago. Hash, uh, this is in quotes. The long pursuit of Brandon Manning, end quote, would get 30 other GMs committed to a mental institution and then fired. Jesus. You know, I love those, Tony. I'm glad you brought those up because Edmonton, uh, you know, hockey is just huge in Canada. We love it here. Um, Obviously, plenty of Hawks fans, but those guys go uh, nuts for their hockey. So that's obviously why we got a lot of uh, attention on our uh, day of trade tweets. Um, so I- I'd like to interact with Edmonton fans more, especially now that we have this upper hand on them. So exactly. And that's what I was going to say is that uh, Four Feathers Twitter account should be all over some of these. 
because there was one of them that was like, imagine being an Oilers fan and realizing that our GM traded for a guy that Stan Bowman signed to a two-year, $2.5 million deal, and he's as useful as nothing at all. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, this is pretty funny. Just uh, just go on your Twitter and search Brandon Manning and look at the latest tweets. It's been uh, It's been quite the pleasure for me um, over the past five minutes of my life. And uh, I think yeah. I think the Four Feathers gang is also contributing to those said Brandon Manning tweets. So to those that are listening, um, please go check out our uh, fellow team members. Um, <laughs> I've I have seen it and it is fantastic. And I Ooh, I, I just hope... got one. I just got one here from uh, from Longfellow Bones, and I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> This Do is it. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> phenomenal work by uh, at Longfellow Bones on on Twitter. <laughs> oh dear God! All right. So um, before that, we were talking about games you're looking forward to uh, this week. Um, I hate to break up the Brandon Manning segment, but we are just about out of time, boys. So I just wanted to say that I hate Vegas. I hate their whole shtick. They have only been around for a season and a half, and it's already old. Their Twitter account is annoying. They are absolutely insufferable. Their pregame show is not cool. It is not entertaining. It is absolute shit. Um, I hate Vegas with all of my heart. Like I said, they've only been around a year and a half, but let's beat the shit out of them on Saturday night. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't like Vegas either. Um, Can we send Peter Chiarelli there? Possibly. Um, I actually have something to add on to the games that we're looking forward to coming up. When, When do the Hawks play the Oilers? The the next three. I only have the next three until we record. That's Nashville, okay. Vegas, New Jersey. So well, um, I am I am looking forward to whenever the Hawks play the Oilers, and I really hope Brandon Manning plays. That would be and phenomenal. just gets torched by literally every single player on the Chicago Blackhawks. It would be great. It'd be I I would I would get more enjoyment out of watching that than. Just about anything else I can think of right now. That's that's hockey. You know right what's going to happen now, right? You know he's going to score. He's going to score. He's going to score a goal and block a shot like that could win the game right at the end. Yeah, and that'll be like his best or he's game. Have like played. a three night. <laughs> that'll be his best game played as an Oiler in NHL nineteen. So yeah. we visit Edmonton on uh, Tuesday, February fifth. So uh, we've got about a month until we see Edmonton again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if Brandon Manning is in the lineup then, especially now that you said Petrovic just went down. So uh, that's developing news that I did not have before the podcast. So um, honestly, I would imagine that he'd probably be in. So what happens? What happens if he gets traded again in the next month? <laughs> Does anybody actually take that deal? <laughs> Anyone except no. Peter Shirelli take that deal? No. No, no. There's no other GM like Peter. Arizona, Arizona is probably the only other destination yeah. that he can go. Probably. And that's if I mean, I really, like... I really don't see anywhere else that that is going to take that salary. 
Yeah, Edmonton's going to be sending a first-round pick to Arizona along with Brandon Manning. Jesus. For a bag of pucks. And Stan Bowman's going to be laughing. And and the sad part about this is, guys, is this is the type of thing that keeps Stan Bowman employed. That's very true. I mean, just think about I, that. I got to give Stan credit. I, I like these last two uh, moves that have been made. Uh uh, Schmaltz for Strom Perlini and uh, Manning for Kajula. So that that uh, that sits well with me. Stan's not in my doghouse currently. I know he's eternally in yours, Tony, but... I actually liked your uh, your phonetic spelling of uh, Kajula. Um, Kajula. Kajula. Yeah, because I have, I have, you know, issues pronouncing last names. It's uh, a well-known uh, fact about me. Um, but, uh, I, I appreciate it when you helped me out, Johnny. Um, yeah. that was, that was really to, cool. I had to put that out. That's pretty pertinent to both you and I. So, um, yeah, that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to remember it. So, uh, I probably won't that. ever pronounce that name wrong again. Yeah, no, I guarantee you won't. That was, that was the point of it. Um, all right. We are wrapping it up here for episode 15 of four feathers. I just wanted to throw out one last thing. We had posted it to our Twitter account earlier today, but the Hawks, Checked a little bit over halfway through the uh, season now for the Blackhawks. Uh, other teams are just about reaching that point now. Um, but the Hawks lead the league in attendance. So despite what do you want to say, up and down season, whatever it is, uh, people are committed to the Indians. So uh, we love that. Love to see it. Um, I've been out to two Hawks games this year. Um, I know you guys, uh, Ron and uh, Ty, you guys are both at the uh, Winter Classic. Uh, Tony, you were at that Penguins game as well. Uh, get out and support this team when you can, uh, like we had talked about in previous episodes. Um, you're going to see some of these guys, you know, look at the run that Patrick Kane's going on right now. Um, I mean, you, you want to watch these guys. So uh, get out there, keep it up, keep this attendance number one in the league. Uh, props to Hawks fans. Best in hockey. Absolutely. Uh, I cannot go that more, Johnny. Um, getting out there and seeing these guys, especially like you said, Patrick Kane, uh, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to watch that guy play for the Hawks. Um, I'm actually amazed by that uh, because, you know, we talked about it a little bit um, on the uh, on the I think it was the Q show or the episode after that. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to the attendance of this club? And that was one thing that I was really concerned about. I know we have a few games in hand, but uh, the numbers are kind of you know indi- a, a big indication of of the fact that Chicago fans still care about this team. Um, you know, maybe the hype around it is a little bit down compared to years past. I think we've all felt that just a little bit, but, uh, I don't foresee the, uh, the empty UC, um, happening the rest of this year. But on the flip side of that, uh, the one thing that's really good that I have noticed for the casual fan is that the ticket prices have gone down. And I think the reasoning behind some of the the fact that the, the attendance numbers have stayed up is that you do have a strong season ticket holder presence here still. Um, uh, and on top of that, you haven't really noticed too many empty seats in the house because people who can't maybe afford the the premier ticket prices, the Hawks have another secondary market of people who've been watching these games on TV 
uh, I know I'm included in that, probably you guys as well, um, who are going to jump on the opportunity to get some of these tickets at a little bit more of a reasonable price to go watch superstars like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate play hockey. So that's pretty cool. If you haven't been able to get out to the UC over the past few years because of the ticket prices have been so damn high, now's your opportunity to go see some of these guys. And I think that's an awesome opportunity for fans uh, to go experience that that atmosphere. And uh, another uh, cool part to that is you get to see uh, Jimmy C sing that national anthem. And he, show, he showed us a little bit of love on Twitter this week as well. He did indeed. Um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't turn out like we had uh, predicted in our tweet for the Bears. But, uh, you know, either way, that's uh, something that gets crowd amped up before the game, whether it be Blackhawks, Bears, whatever event he's seeing, Indy 500, whatever. I know he does all of those. So um, definitely uh, Blackhawks game day experience uh, is second to none. Um, all right. We are just about out of time, but I know that Ron and Tyler were not on last week due to Tyler's narcolepsy and Ron's CPA <laughs> studying. So we need to hear about the Winter Classic. Let's just make it quick. Let's go with you guys met up. Uh, that was great. Uh, love the picture that you guys sent in. But give us your favorite moments. I know you guys both had some pretty sweet tickets. Tyler sent in a sweet view. Uh, what was your favorite moment? Each of you uh, give it, and then we'll wrap this show up. Um, I have two and I'll make them quick. Uh, favorite moment, uh, definitely Perlini's goal to open the game. Um, the celebration and I was also sitting in that end. So I got a nice good look at it. Um, also was more from a comical standpoint. Uh, there were beer vendors running out of beer before the puck even dropped. So they were not ready for Hawks and Bruins fans to come and invade Notre Dame. So I thought that was enjoyable. Oh, yeah, lots of crackum going on even before the puck ever dropped. So I know I was two beers deep before the puck even dropped. So, (laughs) Um, For me, I have two as well. Um, I was actually – so my girlfriend needed to go to the bathroom, and we we had pretty sick seats, but our exit to the bathroom made us walk down to like maybe like one row. We were very close to – to the very front of where you can sit so when we're waiting to go back in you know we're being casual you know regular hockey fans are waiting for there to be a whistle to go back to our seats um i was actually standing pretty much as far as you can go down when perlini scored and saw the puck enter right into the twine so that was definitely a cool experience um my other favorite experience was watching about 75 to 100 of the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life wait in line for porter potties all around the stadium when there's no line for indoor bathrooms. I thought that was fucking hilarious, and they were all Boston fans, by the way. Why don't we have uh, Why don't we have photo evidence of this? This would have been Get really good stuff, Ty. Get to the potter potty, dude. I couldn't fucking take my hands out of my pocket. I was so cold. It was cold as shit there, I'm not going to lie. I was in five layers of clothing, and I was cold. You know what I realized, though? Hand warmers are a fucking big deal. (laughs) Hand warmers are a big deal? Dude, game changer. Game changers. Really? So when the the Hawks inevitably get another uh, Winter Classic, make sure you bring hand warmers. Hand warmers. (laughs) That's going to happen soon enough. Yeah, right. I I would say within the next three years. What are we shooting? Dallas 2020. Yeah, right. 
bringing in yeah you got to bring hand warmers and you also have to make sure you come see the four feathers group because we're going to be there just calling With that hot cups of malort <laughs> yeah did you did you hot. did you get any malort in your system uh ty uh, i actually did take two shots of malort uh in the be- before i even left illinois um my Ooh. we put the kibosh on that before <laughs> before i got to the game it was a long, painful drive home. So I'm glad that I didn't drink a little bit more. But so, who was in your group? Time. Was it just you and you and the girlfriend? Me and the girlfriend. I met my brother um, and his friend and their their girlfriends before the game, and uh, pounded some brew. Actually, shotgunned one in the uh, in the good old Notre Dame parking lot, which is always nice. Uh, that boy. I was Saint, just I was just uh, more curious as to who put the kibosh on the Malort. Was it you or was uh, it the girlfriend? I th- it was me because it was about seven a.m. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we may be getting off to a hot start. I was saying, uh, "Sweet Caroline" with a what what I think was a homeless man um, <laughs> before walking into the stadium. So it was it was it was a good time. That's phenomenal. That. You know what? I'm glad you guys uh, went and toughed it out there. Uh, braved the cold. Uh, had a great time. Represented Four Feathers well. So uh, thanks for the pictures that you guys sent in. Um, that is all I got. Actually, no, I have one last thing. Uh, next week, we are joined by a guest, and it will be hilarious. That's all I have to say. So um, you guys got any last, last thoughts before we wrap this thing up? It's good to be back. Likewise. Certainly good to be back. And uh, I think just as normal, uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Yeah, I don't have anything. Let's go Hawks. That's it. That is episode 15 of the Four Feathers podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with a fresh episode with a very special guest. Be sure to tune in. I'm Giannani for Tony Marchese, Ron Luce, and Tyler Jones. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.